0: Tonight, we got them, Goldie and the Sulk. The typical, chemical disgusting, disgusting,
1: disgusting, disgusting display. And it
2: starts right now.
3: <laughs> oh, great intro. Hey, welcome or welcome back. This is episode three of A Typical Disgusting Display with Goldie and the Sulk, a podcast for writers, by writers who hate writing. Oh, really short title really not regretting I But love
0: that. podcasting.
3: <laughs> love, we love it. We love just sitting there. We don't love writing. Yeah. Uh, of course, joining us as always is our producer, JC Brooks. JC, how are you today?
1: I am well. For real.
3: Uh, for real. Okay, good. I believe you today. Okay, I believe good. you. And Goldie, will just assume you're fine.
0: Yeah. So, it's, I just, <laughs> what the listeners will never know and appreciate is This is our second attempt to start this podcast, and our first was such a fumbled kickoff that... After I heard the phrase dog Auschwitz, I had to call it and say, we need to start over. We're on such a bad path here. And And here we we are starting again. And we instantly agreed. We instantly agreed.
3: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. We we got down the wrong road there. (laughs) Very (laughs) fast. It was
0: 40 seconds in.
3: (laughs) What happened? I don't know. I tried to talk about your legs and you kind of skirted the subject. (laughs) Um, but let's talk about something more uplifting than doggy Auschwitz. Um, my daughter, I had a T-ball game this morning. Oh, she just started doing this this year. She's five, playing in a T-ball league with other four, five, and six-year-olds. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked the idea of it. I was excited to go to like a little league field, and like I remember doing that as a kid, yeah. and it was fun. It was a fucking nightmare. It's. <laughs> I don't know if you've been Goldie, did your kids play in a T ball league or anything like no, that? No. I yeah, mean it's a it's a very east coasty kind of thing. It's like ingrained yeah. in people over here, whereas it, in but... California it's I mean is in this LA. Baseball
0: it's a, or softball?
3: Well, it's it's it looks like a baseball, but it is soft. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's a, the, okay. the weirdest of both worlds.
1: It's it's put on a T, uh, right? On a T.
3: Yeah. On a T. So It's just everybody bats, which is fine. Nobody's out. It just keeps going that everybody scores. So the final score, they do three innings, is always like 39 to 39. (laughs) You know, it's something ridiculous. And you have to wait for everyone to do it, including kids who are just way too small. And you know how everything's so... Uh, you know, in Massachusetts, it's like, he's bringing his little brother this week. Isn't he adorable? <laughs> and then a kid who just can't even pick up a bat. And you have to wait for him to actually make contact.
1: Yeah, Are they wearing helmets, too?
3: They're wearing helmets. And there's no ball, there's no danger of being hit by a ball. <laughs> right. But they are still wearing these oversized helmets that make their heads kind of flop to the side. And so it's annoying. And then it's stressful when your kid is up because you want them to do well or at least listen. So Levy has this thing, Levy pulled off that almost like a Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes thing where she did a swing, completely missed, spun around, did a 360, and then hit the ball accidentally on her 360 way through and everybody's like, go, go. And, she, you know, she never goes to first. It's always like this thing that we talk about going to the game and coming home from the game. Is I'm there like, a Levy. practice to They establish? have practice. Okay. Well, that's another story because I heard all these nightmare uh, tales from the, the coach about Levy and her her good friend, Courtney, and they're just thick as thieves already, already manipulating, (laughs) lying to people. You know, apparently they made up some story that Levy had lost her glove over the fence, and so they just (laughs) skipped practice and were gone Oh you know, God. and every they found her glove in her bag in the dugout. It was yeah, you know, it's a nightmare already. <laughs> so she doesn't practice. Yeah. It
1: doesn't sound like she wants to do no, it. No,
3: she's not and that's okay. Like we're yeah. no one's expecting her to have, get like a softball scholarship to, you know, University of Texas or anything, but it would just be nice if she could run to first. Like, I don't need Where her.
1: Where does she run to? It, well,
3: eventually she runs to first. But it's like the, the process. Uh, that's why I have vocal fry today, you know, from she 30 years of smoking pot and also yelling this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to oh blame it on this morning because I'm yelling at Levy, go to but- first.
0: Go! My daughter's My daughter's first season of soccer. This is maybe 10 games. She didn't touch the ball. Once. Oh my god. And so Did she
1: not want to. Oh no,
0: she well, that's unclear. <laughs> okay. But so then I said, okay, I need to volunteer as coach
3: and oh, be a little more on. hands-on, awesome. which was no, not in soccer, so not they hands-on. they lure
0: you in and they say it's not a big commitment, it's just <gasps> the game, which is two hours, and a practice, which is two hours. But then you say, I'll do it. And then all of a sudden they were like, we were a little bit inaccurate when we said it's not a big commitment. And it's like, there's safety seminars and Uh harassment training and all this stuff. And so I was going to these seminars and then I had to secure the jerseys from a different part of Los Angeles and bring them in. Mm -hmm. And then I had to contact each parent and I was just totally freaking out. And I'm like, I got to quit. What have I gotten myself into? And then coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so psyched. And I'd still feel like it was a good trade for me. It's like even with a year and a half of no school and everything, <laughs> I got out of being
3: a soccer coach. Oh and of God. course, this
0: week they were like, should we pick up where we left off? And I said, absolutely not. No, you can't.
3: No, no you can't. You can't. No. No. I mean, yeah, the only aspect of being a soccer coach that I would like would be having that net bag slung over my shoulder and then dumping right. on a bunch of soccer. <laughs> like, that's the only part I like. And well, then everybody else do everything. The yeah.
0: other half of it that was, thankfully, a, again, a COVID came was I have <laughs> never played soccer. So I've, oh I've never participated in a single soccer game. So I do wow. not know the rules. I know no hands. And right. I, I don't really know anything. But by the time they're nine and ten, which is how old my kid is, the kids are kinda serious and the parents are really serious. So Horror. they were coming up to me and being like, What are your plans for, you know, offense and it's like, What are my <laughs> what, what are my, my plans? plans? <laughs> 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 My plan is called the free for all. What kind of
3: lineup <laughs> right. are
1: you looking at?
3: Oh my God. You, they would have made a Bad News Bears style movie uh, about you as that coach. Is. You know I why have...
0: I wasn't allowed to play, I think, because my mom, the scourge of her life was grass stains on your pants. <laughs> <laughs> just something i feel like you never hear about anymore i know
3: well they, they got all skirt. the fancy they yeah. got yeah. all the fancy bleaches <laughs> yeah. and uh, these are plus. new tough
0: skins there's grass stains all over them <laughs> Sorry, i didn't realize i was supposed to keep my Sears pants in a glass case. God forbid a thread is out of place oh on these my God. eight dollar <laughs> pants that have the consistency of coarse sandpaper. Uh-huh. Wait, did you not go to
3: Filene's basement or was that a
0: special treat? That came later. Okay. That that my parents discovered that. And then that became every Friday night for four years. And my dad <laughs> I told this story at his funeral. But he was so proud that he, he got a Brooks Brothers, a real Brooks Brothers Siasaca suit, originally three hundred fifty dollars, mocked down to two fifty, mocked down to two hundred, mocked down to a hundred, mocked down to sixty eight. He got this suit for $7.50 wow. <laughs> in Filene's
3: Basement. You told, wait, you told that at his funeral? Yeah, because I, I didn't, said that, that, but that didn't no, he But didn't he also serve in World War II and you chose to talk about Filene's Basement at his funeral? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love it. Keep it light.
3: I know. I love that. That's right. No, we don't need dog Auschwitz. I, to, the,
0: <laughs> the point was that the less he paid for something, the more he valued it.
3: Of course. Yeah. Oh my God, my dad absolutely is like that. I mean, he's incredibly frugal. I, yeah. I remember one of the funniest. Uh, he he went on. He had gotten these special windshield wipers that had like three blades. You know, because yeah. we were we were in Westboro, Mass, so it could get snowy, and they had these three blades. And he kept talking about how, you know, what a deal. And he got them off TV or something. So this big snowstorm came, and he was out there in the cold putting them on. We get in the car and we start to drive away he turns them on and they both instantly fly off the car just flew right away on the first wipe they just detached. oh my god i can still feel like the and and i had to repress my laughter because i knew it he was angry yeah. but I, t- today i think he would think it was funny but at the time i remember just looking the other way out the window just in, you know for 5 yeah. minutes and laughing anyway my, my dad yeah
0: he, when he retired, he bought this boat. It was a an O'Day Mariner. It's like a 22-foot day sailor thing. And there's just so much work that went into it that he did all himself. But you got to paint the bottom with this special paint so the barnacles don't get on it. And <laughs> yeah. you got to find a place, you know, to get a buoy, which was in this harbor called Aries Pond that was a harbor. And then you had to navigate this channel by motor to get out into a, a Pleasant Bay, which is a nice place to sail. So, his whole focus of his year was getting out there. And so we get on the boat for the first time out there and we're on our way in the channel and he he drops the centerboard and the chain of the centerboard breaks and it just falls off into the water. And he you know, he's someone who kept such a tight lid on things. And he was just like fucking goddamn shit, motherfucking goddamn fucking son of a bitch. I just spent all
3: year. I just had to do all this shit. I'm fucking son of a bitch. Just
0: like, like just you know, on TV you'd hear, it's just forty minutes. of You could just see everything he was angry about in his life in the seventy years up to that point coming to a oh, head. That's so that funny.
3: Moment. That's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, I,
0: that's every
3: day of my life now. <laughs> right. <laughs> All I could think of was Jay Giles' centerboard. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost my centerboard. Um, so now we, uh, speaking of boats, hey, we have some sad news. Speaking yes. of boats, uh, we, we lost uh, a legend this week. We lost a big one. Uh, Captain Steubing of the Love Boat, a.k.a. Gavin McCloud, has passed away. Pick on! This was sad for us because, Goldie, you and I, and JC, I don't know how you feel about it, but we, Goldie and I, have a special place in our heart for the love boat.
0: I grew up watching this, and actually, I I would say in a way, it's sort of what made me a TV writer. My brother and I, um, there were times my grandmother came to live with us, and, and so we started sharing a room, and as we fell asleep at night, we would together come up with Love Boat episodes. Oh, my God. were like yes, eight and six. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we would just uh, say, you know, and then Gopher
3: would have forgotten his uh, uniform that week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. By the way, that's episode quality for the Love Boat already. Like, Gopher yes. forgetting his, losing his uniform is totally a Love Boat. <laughs> well,
0: I I just think with Captain Steubing, it, it really is, there is a poignancy for me, a, a genuine poignancy, in that I, I think it's, he's sort of the last of a certain type of authority figure that was kind of ubiquitous when we were kids, which was the guy who maybe dressed buffoonishly and was bald and clownish, but had everyone's genuine fear and respect. Like, now that character is played, like, by a Steve Carell, and they're always just sort of a complete joke. Right. Like, on some level, they're, you know, we're not supposed to take them seriously, but the... The crew was legit afraid of him.
3: Absolutely. And he was a
0: veteran. Right. (laughs) And he was very judgmental and he didn't drink because he almost ran over a kid once.
3: Oh, yeah. God, you remember all this stuff. I don't remember that. I guess because it it just recently got put up on, what, Peacock or one of the... CBS. The the CBS. Which is now
0: suddenly Paramount, right?
3: Oh, is that what it is? I think so. Oh. Okay, because I got that CBS. Yeah, so all right, good. I can still go on Paramount because yeah, I like I watch some of them too, and they're just and he, you're totally right about that authority figure thing. Like the the crew, they don't want him to know anything. Every episode is like the captain can't know. Like you know, it it's like it. the captain can't know that I have a chimpanzee in my cabin. Oh, that's that's well, one of them.
0: It's also. <laughs> I forgot. Writing used to be so much more fun because, okay, so the episode where Gopher has a chimpanzee, Louise, stuck in his cabin. Right. Like, I, I can't tell you how many meetings I was in with both of my shows, which failed almost instantly, where they the executive's whole complaint about everything was, is this grounded? How do we know? How is it grounded? So here's how they justify a chimpanzee being on the boat in the love boat is uh, Gopher comes on board with a chimpanzee. Julie says, what are you doing with a chimpanzee? And he says, I promised a friend I'd take care of it. I thought I had the week off, but I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And then it's like,
0: and we're off and running and there's a chimpanzee on but the boat. By the name. way. Named Louise, who steals jewelry.
3: I, I. By the way, I love that kind of storytelling. Like, and of course. I think, I, and I think we do that on Family Guy. It's like, you know, Peter bu- I comes home and says, "I bought a horse." Yes. Then, then you right. just do an act of horse. The audience doesn't job. care.
0: They want no. to see a funny horse. They want to see a funny chimpanzee. They're, they're not like, okay, so uh, I went to an exotic animal <laughs> farm and right, make it believable. Right. From there, uh, I was purchasing it for a wealthier client who, as I was on my way to the house said can you hold him in your house like all all this backs no one cares they see a chimp. they're happy they're happy that gopher who's a dork right totally is in possession of a chimpanzee who's mischievous and this is why we tune in yes and
3: just go just you're off and running and yeah. by the way, Fred Grandy, let's not shortchange him, uh, multi-term congressman from, I forget which state, he ran for Congress after oh, Love Boat. And, and was his son is a, very,
0: like an accomplished comedy writer.
3: Really? Charlie Grandy. That's his son? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, what a family, huh? I know. Uh, well, anyway, but, but let's not shit on uh, Gavin McLeod's grave. Um, no by not far talking from a, about him some what's more, what's the you know,
0: opposite of taking a piss on someone's grave? I'm doing it put, right now,
3: putting a piss back in <laughs> on someone's grave. You're taking one away.
0: I, I go to his grave, and if I see urine there, I, I put it in my own body. <laughs> that's good. That's I, how you are. Dehydrating McLeod's grave, that's how much I venerate him.
3: And now, Goldie, because I know you watched recently. Did you notice when you watch? Because I sure did when I was going through season one of the Love Boat. And again, not to piss on his grave, that no. the man looked like he might have been having fun during oh, the yeah. filming. I agree. Like he looked. I
1: always thought he, that
3: his eyes were bloodshot a lot, and the, and the, a lot of the show is close-ups. Yeah. Oh, McLeod? So yeah. Oh, I didn't. I thought that he was a all. drinker. Yeah, was that right? And maybe that's the reference to Faith in his book. Usually when someone drinks a lot and hits rock bottom, then maybe. Faith comes yeah. suddenly. So I will
0: say he's he has bewitching blue he does. eyes.
3: He Very does. Very intense. They are piercing. Yes. Ooh, piercing, piercing blue eyes. Um, but he's gone, and we appreciated him. He made an impact on our lives. And Goldie, it sounds like, you know, he, he started this whole uh, writing engine going for you. He He gone.
1: That's... Sorry, I had to do it again
3: (laughs) We already knew that (laughs) He continues to be gone Yeah, it seemed gratuitous I know it was Um, But of course, you know, uh, Gavin McCloud Very popular in the 70s He was on Mary Tyler Moore show Into the Love Boat in the 80s Who else was the king around that time? Johnny Carson I think it's time for Johnny Jokes
2: is <laughs> Oh, I
3: love it. I love it. <laughs> so okay, good. so this is a part of the show where we tell Carson-style monologue jokes because we grew up watching Johnny Carson, and the first jokes we ever tried to write to help us get jobs as writers were these kinds of jokes. Goldie, I know you, I used to look through... Uh, the back of USA Today, that would have that state by state with little boxes and little weird stories from each state. That was always kind of a gold mine for these kinds of jokes. All right, so let's get into it this week. <clears throat> I'll go first because I know uh, that's how it's going to go. So Goldie can ramp up his impression. All right, <laughs> here we go. I should have more water for Johnny jokes. Getting a little <laughs> lip smacky. Here we go. <clears throat> well, uh, uh, all good things must come to an end. A future Hall of Fame kicker, Adam Vinatieri, has announced that he's retiring from the NFL after 24 seasons. Yeah. Uh, fans of the kicker were disappointed when the news hit the post.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much.
3: That's very good.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> I'm now nervous because mine suck.
3: No, oh, no. come on. All right, here we go. I, I think that I may have peaked already, so fear not. <laughs> Uh, now this is uh, this is a nice story. Uh, with COVID restrictions easing up, Boston's Fenway Park had their first game back at full capacity. Just terrific! Uh, and as an added attraction, Senator Ted Kennedy was there to throw up the opening pitch. <laughs> Slowly going downward. I was holding for the laugh. Yeah. I didn't
0: I didn't know that when we wrote these jokes we were also existing in nineteen
3: eighty one. I know. I I'm, I'm I'm have you know, hey, you wrote the time travel show. I'm just having a little fun. These can be anachronistic, Johnny. Look
0: at where the time travel show got me. You're in, I know, your, you're right. in your guest house. I'm in my funny. house, which is smaller than your guest house.
3: All right, settle down. Um here we go. Okay, continuing with the Johnny jokes. <clears throat> Hoping to redeem myself for that last one. Tall didn't like that last one. I should have listened to her. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Former eight-term congressman Lester Wolf died earlier this week at the age of 102. Wear a mask, people. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's All great. All right, and co- going great. into the last one, the last joke... <clears throat> Uh, here's, a, here's an interesting story. Earlier this week, a corporate giant Amazon came out in favor of the federal legalization of marijuana. Uh, gee, I guess I know why my package is smiling. <laughs> and that's it. I'm already that was calling my it
0: for you. I'm already that calling was... it for you.
3: No, there's, this isn't a competition, Johnny. I mean, technically, you are supposed to be the closer. By yeah, your insistence to go second first. <laughs> All right, let's All hear right. it. I always love. I always love you All right. I well,
0: yeah. uh, <clears throat> do you see this gas may soon hit seven dollars a gallon? It's getting a lot more expensive, and uh, yeah, I stopped in Encino to fuel up last night, and a sommelier handed me a gas list. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <clears throat> Japan is Preparing for Olympics in the time of COVID. There are all sorts of innovations to keep the athletes safe. There are sanitizing stations, robotic janitors, and the entire stadium is now behind a sneeze guard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Sneeze guard is a very good punchline. It's okay. For
0: him. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, if you like that, uh, a California woman was reunited with a wallet that she lost 46 years ago. Ooh. And uh, wouldn't you know it, everything was still inside. Yeah, it was so old.
2: How old, how old was, was it? it?
0: The money showed George Washington as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hate these. I and mean, yeah, you, you guys are either very nice or you're somehow pranking me. No, I, we're laughing. Right. Okay. Alright, well, here we go. Here's the last one. Alright. <clears throat> Alright. Uh, this is a little dirtier than Johnny usually goes. This oh. is kind of blue. Oh. So <clears throat> that, that final year when he knew he was just gone. <laughs> a pornographic themed crypto currency called Cum Rocket (laughs) is soaring after Elon Musk tweeted about it. It's a real, real story. Now, to each his own, but if you're gonna put this money where your mouth is, please get tested.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great. You have... Your lack of self-confidence is crazy. <laughs>
2: but did
0: you ever have those days on Killborn, or maybe you didn't do monologue jokes, where it, there were days where you were so confident sometimes, and you were like, he's just going to go nuts. I have 30 great jokes yes, here. Yes. And then it would get in, and and as one doesn't work, you get this feeling, and you're like, that's really weird. And then another doesn't work, and you get this worse feeling, and you're just like, "I I understand nothing. And you're so demoralized, and then you know there are those other days like today where you walk in and you go, "I'm gonna get fired." Like this is absurd. These are (laughs) terrible. Well, like I can't can't get fired. Right, but you Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. That you know I there was on Family Guy yesterday. You know there was that thing where a bunch of cutaways came in, and yeah, no one from that room was in our room. But you just know that had we all been in a room together, I, I started feeling almost sick. As it went worse and worse and we were right. getting toward the end.
3: I know. I know. I know. Yeah, that was that was rough. But I was also going to bring up from yesterday at Family Guy, you uh, you carried it. There was a scene there. I can't even remember what it was now, but we were just struggling. Oh, it was when they were like leaving. The guys were leaving a bar, leaving yeah. the clam after a day of drinking. And we were sitting there for a while and just not really getting much going. And then it was like you got up and just slapped a double into the gap. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. We can do this now. And, th- and then, of course, there was no offense after that until your next time up when you slapped another double into the gap. But you were, you were doing uh, quite well yesterday. You had you're, pretty much you're very kind. whole scene. I, w- I will say to
0: anyone out there who's a writer or trying to be a writer, every joke I make feels like
3: it was my last <laughs> well you know what maybe that's a blessing for you maybe you just throw everything you got into it
1: right that's your um, motivation
3: yeah
0: it's um, just like you know when you're when you're gonna die like one of these breaths is gonna be the last one you ever just start thinking about that and you're I, just like was it this one
3: well goldie <laughs> was it this I mean, one i think we all, still have one? A, we all still have a four in front of our ages i don't think we need to start thinking about that stuff yet Ooh, yeah. that's all i think about I know, JC. You're close. I know. The, the clock is ticking. It you'll is be, ticking. you'll be fine. Are you kidding me? You're the healthiest one, one among us by far. I don't know about that. The only reason I look alive is because I got a ring light. That's it. I, I have a ring light. I'm just this purple. <laughs> oh God! All right. So we tweeted this out uh, earlier that the theme to this week's show. Which is, it seems like a kind of a narrow theme, but in actuality, I think uh, it's kind of broadening by the day. So the theme of today is, so you've just been hired for your first writing job. What can you expect that first week in the writer's room and at work in general? And it it, it seemed like a narrow idea to me, but then, you know, all the stuff we've been looking at about the Gen Z kids and how many of them want to be writers. And there are so many new shows now that are opening up that there just have to be many more newer writers going to work wondering what am I walking into? So Goldie, let's, let's try and tell them some of our experiences in that. I mean, I'll
0: tell you why I proposed it was that to to me, it's like, we get um, it. It
3: was your idea. Okay, fine. Yeah.
0: Well, I, (laughs) I need to let them know.
3: (laughs) I know. I know. It was very subtle. (laughs) Uh,
0: When you have a kid, um, the pregnancy is, such a huge deal like it's like oh what's gonna happen at what stage of the pregnancy and then you get this birth plan you go to the hospital and and they instantly laugh at you because they're like we've done a million of these your stupid plans worthless but I think people get so into the birth that they forget that that's not the end of the race that's the start of the race and that none of it matters once the kid is there like all of a sudden you're dealing with something with constant needs and I think it's the same thing with writing jobs in that It's so hard to get a job, and there's so much focus on your specs and these interviews. And then you get the job, and it's like, well, no one cares that you did that. And you're going to walk in your first day. You're going to have no idea what your hours are. Right. Unlike every other job. Right. You know, where I've worked in supermarkets or camp council or whatever. Like, you're going to get there, and it's like, you might work normal hours eight hours a day, or you might be working for a psychopath who hates their family. Right. Who is there 18 hours a day? Yep. You might work for someone who starts right in and just goes, "Okay, let's open our scripts, please." Or it might be someone who hates writing as much as we do and you get in <laughs> and there's just open-ended discussion about everything.
3: Yes. To get
0: to lunch, and then you get to the lunch break and you'll be panicking in your office, "We haven't done anything yet." Right. And then there'll be the post-lunch break, sort of 2 hours of discussion. And you might not start till four and like, you know, you might have concert tickets. And so your life can be completely upended. I think people don't think about this. Yeah. They don't even know this necessarily.
3: It's true. It's true. And I remember I had two vastly different experiences. And actually, you can speak to to both of these because we did basically the same thing. So when I got my uh, first ever job at Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn, I showed up not really knowing what to expect in the writer's room. And it was Strange and different from any experience that I had a- after that. We would sit in a room, somebody's office. We would bring all of the jokes that we had written for the show that day, go through each person. They would each read them aloud oh in front of our boss, who was um, Billy Kimball. He was the showrunner at the time. And it was I remember it was unnerving because it was like, "Holy shit, I have to go in and read these jokes in front of like seven people I don't know, and they're going to judge me." And Billy, uh, who I thought was actually a really good showrunner, because of what something we were talking about earlier, he lived slightly in that in that past generation where the boss was to be feared. Yeah, like you know, he's a funny guy, he's a sharp guy, but he also has a sharp tongue and he's not afraid to use it. And that was, you know, it kept us all incredibly on our toes. And also, I realized right away that a couple of the writers really sucked. So I was never going to be that <laughs> yeah. bad. Right. So I was, inst- I was instantly like very comfortable, like, okay, well, I can on my worst day, I'm funnier than these guys. Right. So that was a weird experience. And I guess that totally changed by the time uh, you got to Killborn. It was a much different vibe. Different um, boss. Yeah. I yes. mean, I,
0: we would go, I, so I, I came from doing standup and I'll, I'll tell a story in another episode of how I got my job and wound up there. But basically I'd never been to LA before. I got my job by emailing jokes. I knew you on the show, but you had left. So yeah. I didn't know anybody. So I, I show up and they say we're going to start, I think it was at nine 30. And so I, I, knowing I didn't want to face a blank document, I get there at 6.30. <laughs> nice. But I don't have a CBS ID. Oh, no. So I'm just sitting on the lawn in front of the gate oh, no. for hours. And then Mike Gibbons, the boss, drives in and sees me sitting there. He's like, what are you doing? And I had been like just trying to memorize a series of jokes oh, for, oh, for no. three hours. And then he was like, you don't need to do that. But it, it made me – that was my version. That That was when I started to feel good because I said – Oh, I'm gonna work harder than anyone here because this yes. is so yeah. much more important to me yeah.
3: Yeah. than anyone. Um, you, well, you're you're a rare combination of writer where you're, uh, I think, having worked with you many times, that you are the funniest person in the room, but you work way harder than you should. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you I have am a wor-
0: never out of fight or flight, <laughs> right? I, I right. experience no moments of
3: relaxation. So you, yeah, you work very hard all the time. Like you don't, you don't check out, you know, which a lot of good quality. It is. I mean, I check out all the time. So, I mean, I I admire. I want to check out. I know. I, I I wish we could meet somewhere in the middle where I check out less, you check out a little more. Uh, That's good encouragement for work. (laughs) (laughs) Check out more Goldie. That'll help us out. Um, But a contrasting experience was, the first writer's room I worked in uh, in the world of sitcoms, which was like three years later, was a short-lived show in 2002 on Fox called The Pits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was run by, obviously, our our great friend Mike Scully and his wife Julie Scully. And that writer's room, when when I went into that writer's room, the people in there, and we could do whole shows on Tom Gamble. You know, yeah. Tom, Tom Gamble is... Tom Gamble and Max Pross are a legendary uh, writing team in the comedy world. If you see their names on Seinfeld, Saturday Night Live, Letterman, The Simpsons, I mean, they've been everywhere. Gary Shandling, Gary Shandling, they, uh, I dads. think they, uh, dads, the list goes on. I think Curb, but uh, so Tom Gamble is one of those characters, and you are so happy the the minute you are introduced to him. Because first of all, his voice is so disarming. Like he has yeah. such a, a, a unique kind of voice. It's like this. Hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. <laughs> and you're instantly already kind of like charmed by this. And then he is so funny and silly. Like this is, we'll do a whole show on on like the different characters in writer's rooms. But he is a, a specific character in a writer's room and and, and just a legendary one. So working in that writer's room, and Mike Scully, obviously, is the same way. He's as funny as they come and as nice as they come to writers. So going into the sitcom world, first week on that show, I was in awe looking around at these people, but they made me feel so comfortable. You know, they, I never felt tense, like, oh, my God, I should say more, or I should say less, or I shouldn't have said that. There was none of that in that room. So in terms of coming to that world, I had the best possible experience there was.
0: Yeah, and I I think that points to that if you are the new person, maybe just look around and assess what's going on before you just get the resolve to go in and dominate. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just put your your mark all over everything. Because in a sense, you may be sort of uh, surprised by how little is expected of you in a sitcom room. Because I know coming from late night where, okay, I got to write... 25 monologue jokes in the morning, and then I've got to help get the desk piece ready. And then Craig Kilborn did this in the news thing that was sort of almost a second monologue, but it was a a newscast parody. And then I was was also administrating the five questions segment. So all day I was scrambling and really regimented of how much writing and how much work i had to do. Then all of a sudden I got hired on the Cleveland show a few years later, and there's... 14 writers i'm accustomed to writing scripts by myself and having right. to churn stuff out and then it's like yeah we'll take a week and go over this episode and i was just sort of felt like i was crazy right because i, I was panicked that we're doing too little
3: right i i know exactly what you mean uh, you know i i think a lot of the things that people think of when they're heading into a job like that it's You hit the nail on the head in terms of just don't go in there and try to instantly be the funniest, loudest, most pitching person in the room. Like you said, look around, take the temperature of the room, read the other people in the room, try and figure out, Okay, these are these are the EPs, the executive producers on the show. They're at a high level. How much are they weighing in? What is their vibe with the younger people on the staff? Like, do they seem... Does everybody kind of jovial with each other? Are people who have been there maybe, you know, a little longer than you deferential to the older people? It's like you should take your... Just your social cues the way you would uh, kind of in any situation, almost like a, you know, like a high school party in a weird way, where you just try and survey the scene and see where you can do the most good. But I think that... you also said earlier, which is so true, that the the types of shows and the types of showrunners will dictate whether your life will be fantastic or a living hell. <laughs> there are yeah. legendarily certain showrunners that just keep their writers there to all hours and sometimes you know i'll hear like the the particular show that they're staying late on and i'm like oh my god you guys are staying until two in the morning for that fucking show it's yeah. like you could just leave at four you know well, the, in worse, the, inter- the
0: show sometimes uh, it's it's a symptom yes of a bad show that makes sense I know. That, that that's what's happening but i'll, I'll also you know to almost go against our original thought though uh Don't wait too long to say anything because the longer people look at you that you haven't said anything, if it stretches into days or a week, that first thing you say will be so weighted with the expectation of what is this person going to do? I mean, my advice is to just find some small area or joke they're pitching on or some part of the story. Throw a test balloon out there early, just so you've broken the ice and said something. Right. So that people aren't two or three days in sort of starting a clock. Boy, that person has not talked. Yes. Is there something weird going on? And then right. you can get in your own head of like, oh, God, I haven't talked. How <laughs> do I talk? And then no. for sure the first time you talk, someone else will try to talk at the same moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then, that, then that they'll go, no, 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 you first because you haven't talked. And then whatever you say will never work. Right. Yep. It'll always been drum rolled, drum
3: rolled too much.
0: Yeah. I would also say that particularly that first month is you've really got to be on your toes because once in a while, someone will at a point where people are stuck, just say, well, let's see what the new person thinks and throw to you.
3: Yes. But that's usually and correct me if I'm wrong. That's usually in terms of like a story point. Right. You're I mean, right.
0: No one will throw to you for a joke. I mean, right. unless they're a complete asshole.
3: Right. Or, or totally kidding. Yeah. But yes, you're right. Where if there is some kind of story impasse where a couple people can't quite agree on something and they say like, well, let's ask the room what they think. You know, what do, what do the rest yeah. of you guys think? Have something ready and have it Say something sense.
0: then. You have yeah. to. You yes. have to. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have to say something when prompted. Yes. Here's one great phrase to help you be a good employee. Hey, I was just thinking about that blank. Hmm. This can be in the form of an email, a text, but it lets the person running know that outside of the room, you are giving consideration to a problem. Maybe it's an ongoing problem. Maybe it's a story that needs breaking, or maybe it's a future episode, or maybe it's how to use a guest star. And it just lets them know, you're locked in with a show. Totally. You're a team player, and your idea might be used. And, and as a showrunner, you're always looking for those. I, I, You're looking for a million ideas. But someone who comes in and solves a problem that you didn't specifically assign them Amazing. in a way that is quick yeah. and discreet, doesn't bring everything to a screeching halt, but potentially offers a lifeline to a busy person, that's the type of thing that will that's keep you employed advice. for 15 years. Hey, totally. I was just thinking about it. But quick totally. is also
1: a good point, though being quick, not like super verbose, and you know, I think that's right. really and great not advice. in front of
0: everyone necessarily, necessarily, because it's as a leader, it's embarrassing to not know what you're gonna do. Yeah. Right. Also, try to avoid keeping score of, well, that was my idea, and I want everyone to know it's my idea, because that's so seems so important when you're coming up. But again, as someone who's running things you're you're dealing with simultaneous episodes maybe next season's arc and the provenance of one particular part of one idea is of such little importance to you the the more important thing is everything's going well and things are on track and if whoever's the leader thinks that you will get renewed in a second season if totally the thing goes but if you start just get really digging in and 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 Trying to get credit for what you think is some enormous thing that to this person is just a piece of a component. You're gonna go quickly from
3: like uh, a place of gratitude to one of annoyance. And mm-hmm. and that's a great point. And I would tag on to that. We understand this feeling you have inside the need to get credit for things yeah, that you pitch and then you come then you come up with. I know. Personally, how strong that urge can be to take credit for something that you've done. But the higher it's always better to let others either figure it out for themselves. Let someone else give you the credit for something, or maybe just swallow the fact that you didn't get credit for that, I but think. you you know you did it. It happened
0: yesterday. It happened yesterday <laughs> in the room we were in where we were going through that scene, and then it's like, can we go back? Someone said this, and it's like, someone <laughs> me! I <know>. said <laughs> yes. it. I was the one who had the yes. idea. Yes. And I, I want know. everyone to know. But you know, of course you have yeah. to sit on that. Oh, I, I know. know that feeling too.
3: And it hurts, it hurts. And then every you're time. just praying,
0: you're going like. Please, someone else say it was me that yeah. I was the someone, so I don't have to be the one who says it. Or, like, can two synapses connect and they'll remember that that's someone hilarious. was Goldie? And then, I, and then, this thing in my brain that's making me want to scream, it was me, can go away.
3: Yes. No, and, and clearly, I mean, because I feel it too, and you've clearly yes, you and felt we're it yesterday. 25 years it, in, it never goes away. Yeah. The, the, the feeling that you want to be given credit for the, for the, jokes that you pitch or the stories that you come up with will never go away it's actually
1: no. comforting to hear that from you guys who are so well established that like you can go be this young writer and be like oh in my future i'm gonna get over this well no you won't. No,
3: you probably not <laughs> it'll get worse <laughs> i know and and the, the fact of the matter is we all know this about each other at least at family guy because we work together for so long so yeah. like I, you know, Goldie knows that about me. I know it about, you know, whoever, Mike D, any of the writers on staff. Like, I know that when people pitch things, they want other people to know it. But we also know that it's kind of not cool to say it. It's just a little bit, it's tacky.
0: It's the same thing as when you give your dog a treat, you have to say good boy. It's crazy. Oh, wow. (laughs) And as a
1: showrunner, is it one thing if you acknowledge somebody do you then feel like, well, I, if I acknowledge this person, then I have to acknowledge everybody?
3: No, okay. no. And I especially at Family Guy, you can't get caught up in that because we have like 20 plus people. So it would yeah. be a never-ending, you know, applause break of congratulations yeah. for people. You're like T-Ball. But, right, exactly <laughs> like T-Ball. But no, I, I, I think that what what we do like and appreciate is what we were talking about earlier. Like if if Goldie we're running a a gag room, which we have at Family Guy, where there's a room of five or six people trying to come up with a specific joke. And if Goldie were running that room and then sent us a bunch of joke alts, we call them, to consider for a spot, we read them and we say, oh my God, this number four was, oh, so funny. And then if Goldie wants to say, oh, that was uh, Matt Pabian, you know, or or saying someone on staff, like actually, you know, uh, Patrick Megan came up with that. That's great. Like that's a nice way for the credit to kind of make its way around. And generally people go out of their way to do that with writers who are younger and coming up where it's sort of like, you know who pitched that? Matt mm-hmm. Pabian and everyone's like, Well, I guess he's working out. And it's, so <laughs> it's a we nice. we all
0: collectively know that those people are at the most jeopardy.
3: Right, yeah. Or the, you, those people are trying to to latch on to this this sort of you know uh, slowly sinking money train of Family Guy, like <laughs> so that they're trying to uh, that that's the boat on a water a boat on a track. I said right. slowly sinking money train.
1: <laughs> that's perfect. Should have been a
3: yeah, Goldie. Well, wrote the a very track funny itself
0: scene. is built on loam.
3: <laughs> loam, good word. But so that's a good way for it to take, to get credit. But have someone else give you credit. Wait wait for it to come from someone else or just be okay with the fact that you'll always be a little bit annoyed about it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to say just to, to kind of button up this area is another thing to do, you will get free lunches wherever you work. It'll be a new and exciting thing for you at first. You will be handed a menu. you will be asked to make a choice. Do not have any questions. Do not say, oh, can we go somewhere else and make your order very small and simple to start with and gauge everyone else's orders. Like if people are ordering like three and four things, then maybe you can splurge a little bit. But keep it really simple. You don't want your order to draw any kind of attention. You don't want to be known as the guy who gets like a lunch tower of like four things. Especially
0: because whoever is getting your lunch, if you're new will hate you specifically
3: hate you because they want your job
0: yes and they think they should have gotten it and you are so close to switching positions with them yeah and due to some luck or just a little bit more skill you have your job and they have theirs and you're off starting your life and they're thinking about moving back home and quitting right so be nice to the person who's getting your lunch. Yeah. yeah. So your
3: your side of broccoli may have some butter on it even <laughs> though you wrote no butter. Like don't just don't do it. Just whatever the food is, tough it out. It's free food. Just ride it out. I mean, believe yeah. me, uh, 20% of being a writer is thinking about lunch, complaining well, about it. Well, then lunch. when you when
0: you sort of do make it to the top, it's it's like shocking to me how much people want to please you and they'll just start coming to you with food. And then like the craft services person on my last show, I just don't eat that much because I'm getting older and I'm bald. And I like, I don't want to be... What does
3: being bald have to I do with your appetite? I don't want my
0: physical appearance to be like a total disaster. But you can yeah. tell in some part of her head, she's like, he's in charge. I want him to enjoy my food. So we, she would just always come up to me with these, you know, plates and they were great. But it's like, yeah, I don't eat at like 2.40. I, <laughs> I eat once at noon and then again at like... Seven a much smaller amount because if I if I do any more than that, I'll never recover <laughs> this this body
3: <laughs> that you see before you. I just I just love the idea that people on your show are like coming and laying tributes at your feet, like tributes <laughs> of food, just kind of sir, please. Well, it's like you know, have you tried enjoy the
0: empanadas? My and it's like I
3: empan nothing. First
0: of all, like I, I I'm and I'm right to be concerned. This thing's about to be canceled. I I no I'm not thinking about the empanadas i'm thinking about like can, can i start drinking in my office <laughs> yeah.
3: that's and all you, I'm thinking and about. it turns out you can and it turns out i did when, well yeah when you reach a certain level you can do whatever you want in your office that's another thing we don't talk about that much but um <laughs> nor should all we all right no we shouldn't we should probably edit that that out. might be our last um, episode all <laughs> right goodbye everyone what you everyone. can do in your office once you're <laughs> right. in charge yes what we have done our top 5 stories um, well, I, don't I mean, know
0: that the only the best part of the office to me was just like, oh, my God, now Season I can close, close the door and just start drilling them into the couch. <laughs> Wait, what? Farting, farting in your office.
2: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
0: I Yeah, I could see. What you... no, I just literally like. <laughs> oh, you got yeah. buzzed. The, the worst part for me, the first time I had an assistant was like. Oh my God! Now I can't hide from this person, and my stomach is a disaster. Yeah, mine
3: too. Mine too. You got two Jews here, my friend. Yeah, oh,
1: is that a thing?
3: Anyway. Oh yeah, Jewish stomachs yes. are uh, famously terrible. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Terrible it's a Grepsy. British car of a stomach.
0: Oh I know. <laughs> British car of a
3: stomach. Wait, wait. First joke of up. the day.
0: First joke of the day. You an, can't, an hour. You time. can't play that this what? late. Johnny? We already did the Johnny jokes. <laughs> God. I like we should just play
3: it later and later. Yeah, (laughs) every week we'll be like 70 minutes in.
0: (laughs) So
1: it has to be before the Johnny jokes.
3: Well, I mean, it should be Maybe just have a quick hand early. (laughs) What if
1: there isn't one?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Then, well, if if we haven't told a good joke for a whole episode, you can play uh, Sarah Silverman's quote about that.
1: You're terrible at what you're paid to do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep, she used to tell me that all the time. <laughs> it was wonderful. Whenever I would make a bad pun, she would say that all the time. Little does she know that my entire empire is built on bad puns. <laughs> or maybe she does know. <laughs> yeah, she probably does know. Um, well, we, I don't know that we fulfilled every every aspect of what to expect uh, when you get your first writer's job. I mean, obviously there are... So let's go to some of the questions or some of the things sure. we probably didn't think of. JC, I know we didn't have that much time to cultivate these, but if are there any that looking at them stuck yeah. out to you?
1: Let's start with the one on top. How? Okay, okay this is from at Kevin McCallum.
3: Hmm. Ooh. Is that the kid from Home Alone?
1: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. How old is too old to begin trying to get your first ever TV writing job?
3: Goldie, you talked about this the other week. I don't. I don't think you can be too old, technically. Technically,
0: you can't be too old, but realistically, it's gonna hurt but, and be it, harder to be older. And you have yeah. to decide if you want to try or not.
3: But it won't. It's not going to be easy. I, I agree. Like it's just. It seems like it's easier to start younger for so many reasons. But if you're over fifty. I think they're, you know, listen, I don't know all the shows. I'm sure there are a bunch of them. The Kaminsky Method, Gracie and Frankie, or whatever the hell that show is. There are a lot of shows now that are popular that are geared towards older people. And I'm I sure there are a lot of older writers. I want to mislead
0: people, though. The writers on Gracie and Frankie were younger people. I don't want to mislead anyone into thinking that you want to start at 55 and, like, is there a realistic shot at this? Mm, arguably not is there an unrealistic shot yeah can anything happen uh, in this world yeah. sure are the odds with it
3: no no the odds are against it the odds are against everyone they're even further stacked against older people i would yeah. i would agree with that who so are just trying to break into the business be extraordinary Yeah. No. Mm.
0: That's advice for everyone. <laughs> that's, they, that's, it's true. I'm trying to get practical advice. Like,
3: and then All of a sudden, you t- turned into the teacher in Dead Poet Society. <laughs> <laughs> like, the that's extraordinary. That. Carpe diem. Oh, no. I'm the
0: one um, who would be mad they ripped out the pages.
3: Yes, the guy at the end. <laughs> yes. They paid where, for where, these where books. The
0: yeah. Look, if you don't want to read that part, don't
3: read it. Don't destroy Don't part hour. of the, like, books are sacred. Don't destroy part True. of the book. Oh, it was part of his method. Look, if anyone wants his... to
0: stand on the desk, you have a minute to do it. Right. Go ahead, stand <laughs> on your desk and do your whole rigmarole. And then, Here's what then I'll back. be doing, writing stuff on the board for today's lesson. Because that stuff, we're done with him. Yeah. We're done with him. <laughs> a kid killed himself, okay? Oh. So all that Oh, stuff, a kid did.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. He yeah. killed himself. So, like. He doesn't get yep. to play in the Shakespeare sandbox anymore.
3: Right. So, we, okay, I like this. We, we okay. kind of, we, we went deep it. into Dead poet Society yeah. there without really telling people. But yes. yeah, Be extraordinary. Uh, be extraordinary, says Professor Goldie. Thank you, boys. Let's go to our next question.
1: We have Sarah is okay, I guess. What's the worst reaction to a joke you pitched or when you felt like you didn't fit in with more experienced writers yet? And how did you become more confident?
3: Ooh, God, I think I try and block out all the bad jokes I've pitched. There have been many. I think the, the, the key there is, you, as, I mean, certainly at a place like Family Guy, you can't be afraid to make a bad pitch. Like, if you don't want your first pitch to be a bad pitch. Like, you want to start off on the right foot. You want to show people you could be funny, but then you have to be willing to try and throw things out that don't always work. I can't particularly remember a situation where I felt like I'm sure it's happened that I felt humiliated after pitching something stupid, but I, I don't, it didn't stick with me long enough. I think that's, that's, again, smoke pot for 30 years. So I forget (laughs) things quickly. And so I think that's important in my, my line of work, especially with the amount of dumb puns that I say, like it's good that I just kind of forget them and kind of keep moving on. (laughs) Uh, I can, can you think of anything? I mean, you, you yes. by the way, your jokes are excellent well, most of the time. That, but so you I know
0: I've been fired before. I don't think you have,
3: uh, well, I was fired from SNL. We'll get into that another time. Yeah.
0: So I was, I was fired by Craig Ferguson and I'll say if it's not working out, don't laugh and I didn't, uh, <laughs> but I'll say you'll know if it's not working out, you'll feel it in every fiber of your being. And something that this may be a whole other episode, but you should always be looking for another job. Always. Whoa, go when you have a job. We just
3: brought you back on Family Guy here. This is not. (laughs) And I'm leaving.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Got one foot out. No, really, really. the the second you have a job, you should be writing other spec scripts. You should be looking around. You should still be in contact with your agent. You should be trying your hardest to make that situation work. But the job hunt should never end because look i've been out of work three days since 2002 that's not an accident it's because i was always 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 planning for failure and uh you should as well so i'll just say like i i have you know there were entire weeks on the show where everyone hated everything i said i got fired i knew i was getting fired but I was able to take the money while I was hanging on and being humiliated and getting angrier by the day. And I was able to marshal my resources. And the next day after they fired me, I walked into a different job because I had read the TV. Right. I, so I would I say remember, just
3: I remember yeah. when you worked at Subway. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I would say take the humiliation. And uh, it's going to suck. But channel it into a job hunt if you really think it's that bad.
1: And I'm, I'm assuming like for writers, most shows come to an end. Um, so yeah. that's another
0: thing. In my thing. case, all yeah. shows come to an end.
2: <laughs> 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 uh,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that I think writers always have in their mind, especially if you've been in, uh, you know, doing it for 10 plus, 20 plus years. You start to realize that you yourself have an expiration date and just how long you can push that yeah. is, you know, up to being somehow savvy about the the future of your career. Like, what can you what yeah. can you latch on to next? Like, where where will someone value you? Um, hopefully there, you know, hopefully both of us have made a, a, a bullshit name for ourselves that somebody might actually want us to work somewhere. Um, <laughs> But we'll see. Yeah. Well, well, if not,
0: there's a new <laughs> cryptocurrency called Cum <Come> Rocket.
3: <laughs> uh, well, really, put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, and I should actually maybe correct that. It's not just writers. It's anybody who works in television. We all expect that the show's going to end. It's just maybe we're lucky to be working on the longest running shows.
3: Right. You know, we are now. We're lucky. We're lucky to be on Family Guy now for sure.
1: And I just came from SNL, which is on what season? (laughs) 40,000? You know? Yeah.
3: yeah. That's a long time.
0: Me getting back to Family Guy was like the movie 1917. Yeah, I know, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Just an incredibly long, involved run to get somewhere where everyone's like, oh, you're here, you have a message. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> All right, sit down. Go ahead, sit down. We got We got another battle tomorrow we got to run back to where you came from. (laughs) We need you to deliver this back there. Um, All right. Do we have another question?
1: Okay. From um, at Brent Garner, what is the worst table read you've been a part of?
3: Oh, good question. Oh, well, Goldie, you you had something for this. Yeah. So
0: one of the things when you're on an overall deal, which I used to be on, was they ask you to come help out on the pilots or the new shows that they're, testing and before they film these shows they have a table read of the script so i went to a table read so this was a show that did not exist yet but was trying to come into existence and it was just sort of a very middle of the road comedy about someone's brother who was kind of a rogue moving back into their house
3: oh, oh, it, and it was man, written that it was written
0: by a british guy so Right away, he introduced it, but he had a thick accent, and so, like, no one could really understand what he was saying. So, it was the thing I was talking about earlier where if you don't get that first laugh, right? People are waiting to see, like, where am I gonna laugh in here? I want to laugh, but nothing's happened yet. And so, on page two, there was an extended run about mulligatani which is a type of soup. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And it, it was clear that this was meant to be the gut-busting mm. sort of uh, comedy goldmine. But I and many other people, I think, were just kind of wondering, like, oh, that's a soup, right? Like, there was well, no also, instant
3: recognition. But but clearly, that, that person was being a little derivative of Seinfeld that had... An episode, a famous episode with the Soup Nazi, where the the central soup was Mulligatani. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Well, so
0: so, so in any case, after a pilot, like typically what happens if you're helping out is the writers go to one room, and then whoever created the show goes in with the executives, and they meet and get notes, and they come back in anywhere from a half hour to an hour. So we're sitting there, a half hour goes by, an hour goes by. Two hours goes by. And one oh. of the producers of the show was uh, Tom Werner, who famous television producer, also part owner of the Boston Red Sox. So as as we're waiting, I started talking to him, telling him what a huge Boston fan I am. And so he, yeah, you know, this was like 20 minutes after the table read. He was just saying, like, hey, you know, call me if you ever want to go to a game. And he gave me some email. So as <laughs> as three hours go by, four hours go by and then it just comes back. We're not doing notes. So, you know, like
3: it was a disaster. This is gone.
0: It was it it was a laugh free disaster. But then I always kind of wanted to call Tom Werner and go, hey, do you remember that? pilot that was so bad we didn't even get notes they just totally called it off I was sitting in that room and I would like VIP treatment at a uh, hard to get Red Sox game
3: oh my god that's so funny you said
0: you said in the first 20 minutes you told me to call you and now the Yankees are playing the Red Sox in the playoffs and I want uh, tickets and a full VIP
3: yeah I want to meet Mookie Betts
0: (laughs) yeah so that was just an awful table read. Did
3: you go? So, uh, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, JC, you had an interesting table read <laughs> yeah. experience.
1: Okay, so um, I've mentioned I worked on SNL, and even though I'm an audio person, I was there for table reads. And I was there when Trump hosted mm. during the election. Oh. So, which was a very interesting week. But this particular table read, there's this one moment where. Um,
3: this is the 2016 election? Yes. I didn't yes. remember that he hosted that. He
1: hosted um because
3: He was great. Hillary hosted.
1: No, Hillary guested.
3: Right, in that sketch.
1: Uh Goldie, I'm pretty sure this is one of your favorite episodes.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: my it's my favorite episode of SNL when Donald Trump hosted.
3: <laughs> That's a fun Sorry. one. I thought to that quote. was the
0: best episode. Yeah.
3: The best they've ever been. <laughs>
0: And I'll tell that to anyone at any time. It's my all-time favorite episode of SNL was when Donald (laughs) Trump hosted. What's yours? He was the best and the funniest host they've ever had.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Trump has his phone in front of him, and apparently it rings. He picks it up, and he's like, yes, yes, great, great news. And then puts it down, and he's like, my book is number one on the New York Times.
3: Doesn't sound like him. And,
1: and I, <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> and then apparently, I find out later that the phone never rang.
3: He just picked it up Uh, and and pretended. He's a genius in a weird way.
1: (laughs) He's like promoting to us his Uh, book. He was like promoting it. That's like
3: such a like a follow the queen style like (laughs) ruse on people. Like I'll do the old fake phone ring. Hello, (laughs) really? Number one, you say? (laughs) Let me tell everyone.
2: (laughs) I
1: literally...
3: Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I guess my only, uh, I, I'm sure I've been to, to many bad table reads. Again, 30 years of pot, can't remember. But <laughs> we've had many bad table reads at Family Guy. I mean, I've been there for like, you know, 200 episodes or however many. We've had some clunkers in there. And that's a bad feeling because the table read, it's sort of the connection point between the writers and the rest, the production staff yeah. on the show. It's like when they come, to sit in an arena and watch what we've been doing, what we've been, because yeah. oftentimes production can have this, uh, or other people can have this view of the writer's room, like, oh, they just fuck off in there and they don't do anything. And they get, oh, they're overpaid and they're spoiled babies. And, and a lot of that's true. And look but, at their
0: cars.
3: <laughs> I know. And so there's a resentment there. And and you you want to show them, no, no, no we're good we can write funny stuff and and i would say most of the time at family guy we're able to do some version of that where it's respectable to hilarious yeah but there are some times when it's just clunkers and you can hear individual coughs you know people shifting in their chairs <laughs> and you're you're flipping ahead to see how many more pa- you're like holy shit we have 26 pages left the It's sound get- of
0: paper turning with
3: no others yes.
1: wow no not even courtesy laughs or anything?
3: no wow. no we're past that because yeah. that's when they smell blood in the water you don't get courtesy laughs no. it's like <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna enjoy watching you guys go down on this one this week <laughs> and me. i get it believe me i get it yeah <laughs> like, i understand oh, if
0: i were on the staff i would root for every script to suck
3: oh I <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly i Just, totally you know, would
3: look at those bozos <laughs> yeah i know but you know we're, we're different that way which is why we're in the writer's room writing jokes because a lot so many of the guys on the production team are not like that like no they are so genuinely many the, awesome so many of the nicest guys yeah. yeah it's
0: so confusing
3: but <laughs> how someone can be that way?
0: Well, when you just meet someone who's like happy and nice, and I likes know their job, and I can't
3: figure it and out, and loves to laugh. <laughs> I know there, you know there's a uh, you know a wall with a hole punched in it at home with those people, though. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: they take it out on somebody yeah, something,
3: else. Yeah, <laughs> something happens. All right, Do we wrap up the questions? We didn't help too many people. Maybe we helped someone. I think
1: you did. There's really valuable information there.
3: The important yeah. thing is as, we talked.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and,
2: and if, recorded.
3: As, as it's, and as it says in the Talmud, if you save one life, you save the world entire. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to move on to our top five list this week, which sort of connects to something we were talking about, oh, about two and a half hours ago.
2: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> Captain Steubing passed away this week. He go. Don't play it again. <laughs> oh, um, give me a chance so, to up <laughs> So um, we wanted to do a top five this week that, that kind of honored him. And I think you'll figure out what we mean. So the, the category this week is top five terrible but great TV shows. So obviously the tie in with Steubing is, is pretty right. clear and that might be one on my list, but I, I, it was a fun one to think about and, and just to think of all the time I've wasted on these shows, but let's see, I'll, I'll just jump into it this yeah. week. Yeah. I feel like I always go last. <laughs> Let me start at number five. <laughs> is that okay, JC, yeah, yeah, if I start okay. at five, all right, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, Number five—that's a running joke now. JC wanted to start at number one. We were all like, "That's probably not." (laughs) Um, So number five for me was the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch, uh, I think, is a terrible but great show. Yeah. I watched the Brady Bunch for that hour block, Johnny, on Channel Fifty Six every day, four to five. And I, listen, I think we all had a, I had a huge thing for Marsha Brady. She was just the hottest thing I'd Marcia, ever seen. Marcia, Marcia. And when I was like, you know, 10, it was awesome. And everybody seemed kind of my age. I've seen so many of those. All of them yeah, know them all very choice. well. I like uh, number four- <laughs> Alice. Alice, a- Ann B. Davis. Oh, a working woman. <laughs> <laughs> Ann B. Davis. Yeah, she was, she was great. You know she what? Was. She was the glue. She was the glue, held that family together. Number four for me a little show called Melrose Place. Ooh. Okay. Cool, cool, Melrose Place, as we all know, was a kind of a in the Beverly Hills 90210 world. It was an yes. offshoot of it. I think the pilot was even a crossover with Bev Niner, as oh. we call it in the biz. <laughs> But Melrose Place is just like an adult soap opera where everyone was having sex and the women were gorgeous and yes. the men were assholes. And it was just really fun to watch. And it was very 90s, like as yeah. 90s as a show can be in terms of hair and just jeans. I remember jeans. that. Nice. Just absolutely. The jeans were absurd. <laughs> and they're kind of coming back now, which is ridiculous to me. But a funny fact about, uh, they call them fun facts, I believe, now, uh, about Melrose Place is that. Um, There was a workplace in Melrose Place called D&D Advertising, where a few of the characters worked. Heather Locklear was a boss there. I think Andrew Shue worked there for a time. You know, like the characters were kind of working there from time to time. When they would show the exterior of D&D Advertising, uh, you know, just an exterior shot of the building, and then they'd go inside the exterior of the building are the Family Guy offices. Whoa.
1: Wow, fun so fact. So the building
3: where we work wow. <laughs> in Family Guy was an exterior for Melrose yeah, that's Place. That's a good one. Okay, now here we go. We'll cruise the through Zoom window three. where we
0: work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
3: Okay, where we used to work, buddy. You get it. Uh, number three for me, and uh, R.I.P., he gone, the Love Boat. Love Boat was... Just fantastic week after week. The guests, just watching those guest stars pile up at the beginning. It it just promised so much. And then it, it, it kind of delivered. And one thing that always amazes me about Love Boat—it always took three writers and three directors every week to come out with that kind of piece <laughs> of shit. It was like the terrible story we talked about with the chimpanzee. That was one of three stories that was going yeah, on. Yeah, but they don't really
0: we, intersect the stories. That's how they that's don't. They did but that. Yeah. but
3: like the the idea that one writer could not come up with that schlocky dialogue for like <laughs> three three little mini stories is crazy to me. But God bless them; they worked for a while. All right, two, I sort of tipped this earlier, but Beverly Hills 90210, I loved it, loved it. And uh, my old writing partner, Wellesley, denies this, but I swear that it's true. We went to college together, and we would drive out to our friend's off-campus apartment on Thursday nights when these two shows were on back-to-back, Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place. And I was the jackass who had the car, And so I would go and I'd be literally slowing down to park and everyone in my car would be jumping out, running into the house to get like the better seats (laughs) on the couch to watch these two shows. Like I just have vivid memories of people pushing people back downstairs, you know, to like come up and be sitting up in the chair like, fuck you, fuck you. But Wellesley denies it. But it was it's totally true. Um, Okay, number one. And I, I bet this wasn't on any of your lists, but it should be. The number one terrible but great TV show for me was called TJ Hooker. Ooh. That's a good one. But is that it, a terrible show? Yes. Okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> uh, JC, you have to you have to get treat yourself to this show. It's on whatever the local network is in your area that's like my TV, a collection of, you know, okay. old-timey TV, and it's got like Mayberry and all that shit. But okay. TJ Hooker, William Shatner is. He gets a lot of attention for all the kind of overacting and bullshit. He is a great TV star. Like they didn't write particularly well for him on TJ Hooker, but he delivers the shit out of his lines. He gives every, every line. It's like, you know how Ted Knight in Caddyshack is so like, every line he delivers is electric because he's just like, (laughs) he's like 110% on the reactor. Shatner is like that through the whole series of TJ wow. Hooker, it's very fun to watch. There are
0: times in car chases on that show, you can see a cameraman in the background. Oh,
3: cool. Well, not, not only that, but there, <laughs> that. in many car chases, they use the same what we call B-roll. So it would be like a a faraway shot of a car chase. And you'll notice if you watch the show a week later or a week later, they use the same B-roll of a car coming around <laughs> the same weird. corner with the same like red car in front of them. And uh, but Saving money. You, you got to check it out. you got to okay. check it out. Okay. Um, all right. Who's that's next? That's a great list. list. That's a great list. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
1: Right. Goldie, do you want to go or do you sure, want I'll to Sure, I'll go. Okay.
0: You want me? Uh, yeah, please. I have, I have a couple curveballs in here. Mine are... Oh, I love curveball. Yeah. Um, okay, so number five is Love Boat. We've talked about nice. it. Nice. Not going to say anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> number four yeah. is the show, the original, Dallas.
1: Ooh. Oh, yes. That's and I think one thing yes. that
0: we haven't touched on is just a lot of these shows have an iconic theme song that when you just start to hear that, you're like, Oh my God. I'm, yes. I'm in. There's a Pavlovian response. Like yeah, totally show me Jr. Right. Very good call. Show me Victoria principal. Yeah. Yes. Show me Sue Ellen. Nice. They're all bad, but it, I mean, it's, it's like a whole season was a dream. I mean, it's a disaster of a show, but, uh, no, I but like it was that. wildly popular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so number three, here's my first curveball, and it's a, it's a show I watch almost every episode of Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel. Whoa.
3: Wait, wait. <laughs> I totally agree
0: with that. Today, that is so- concussions. <laughs> <laughs> we followed up on a report with and eat he, like he's so funny and weird and pompous, and it is really watchable, and I do enjoy it. But like they always come up to him after the story, and he's taking notes, and it's like what. haven't you seen a cut of the what are you taking notes on (laughs) i know it's such a this is your show you have a prompter (laughs) like you're really going like Steve, is it true? Is she happy? now? Steve, so I never find out. Are they, are they still gonna do that bike race next year, Steve? They, do you think the UCI will? Do you think Seth Blatter will change his behavior in the in the upcoming? have they own any? Like it, it's just like if if you just did a bunch of stuff and then a, a dweeb as you were leaving work went. Oh, are you sure that you did you order the right lunch? Did you? Is that, uh, anyway, well, I, and, and I love and it. He, and it, and and the correspondents are like a morose. Island.
3: I, I was just gonna say that the correspondents look like the Laugh Olympics cartoon. It's like they are re- like Frank De, Frank Deford oh, like cool. he was dead. Yeah. He looked like he was Dracula, and they, then they have that weird young guy like John Frankheimer who looks like a yeah. weird sort of like Wolfman. Yeah. There was and the a guy had like Cur- Bernard
0: or whatever, and he was like kind of an Andy Rooney like yes. You know, cranky. Thank yes. like, and you. By know, the when way, they put the stick on their hands and they throw a pitch, that is an advantage. It's an advantage and it puts all the record books in question. It's like, no one cares about baseball records anymore.
3: <laughs> well, and also, you can tell how gumball feels about each correspondent yes. based on the way he talks to them after their story yeah. and he doesn't i don't think he likes that guy we just mentioned well there. i think that guy got fired He
0: got. Oh, yeah me. i think i think he because
3: i think you're right he was just sort of the joke story guy it was like who'd have thought you could rollerblade across america it's like <laughs> right. we don't want we don't want this story like yes. let's hear about russian cycling doping i don't care about this
0: well, I'm I'm glad to have found a consensus that here. That was a was, great as I, pick. As I great. put it on the list, I was worried that it would go a either.
3: Fantastic way. pick.
0: Yeah. Uh, number two again. This is now maybe I'm trying to get a hot take here. Uh, <laughs> friends. It's not that good.
3: Oh, <laughs> you yeah, know, I couldn't agree with you more. It's fair. It's fair. But by the way, but great. But not good.
1: But terrible but great.
3: I I don't it's know. Not really funny. I don't know exactly how to define friends. It's so weird. I have such a strange relationship with it. I think it's for twelve-year-olds. It's childish. You're right. I
0: it's a it's a child's view of New York. It's a child's view of dating. It's a it's child's fair. view of sex. It's fair. A child's view of marriage. And and that's not a bad thing. Like there's childlike wonder, which we yeah. all. But it's not something that like as an adult I find genuine connection with. It's more like this is a nice. Fantasy right. world, and fantasy it's, world. Right. I think yeah.
1: is good. Like it's nothing like New York. I mean, not even close. No, yes. no. So
0: yeah, I mean. But I'm no. I'm almost chomping at the bit to get to my number one. Okay, all right, okay. My okay. number one good bad show because I think what a legacy, and they've rejuvenated it with a new host, and it's an all time classic, America's funniest home video. <laughs> 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 I it's so I was thinking
3: about that one. Because Tom
0: Bergeron had gotten negative. He'd he'd come to enjoy people getting hurt. He'd gotten sadistic. <laughs> and he would he would there would be glee when someone would hit would hit the guard. And now Alfonso Ribeiro plays it with oh, a light touch. Yes.
3: A light touch. He's like a
0: dancer. Yeah. He, 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 he does dancer. just the amount of comedy. He does some shtick. <laughs> oh. And he's a good guy. He's and they've made it if you sit down with your kids to watch this show. I defy you to not laugh. Ten times an episode.
1: That's a great choice.
3: I agree. I, when it, when it first came on, I would I I you had to fight me to stay away from the TV. Like I could Employment not miss an TV. episode yes. of that. Yeah. Knocking Appointment your mom TV. Out of the absolutely. Way. Yes. Like I have to see this show. Yes. That's a great choice. Great. Cho- your your lists were all great. Yeah. But you know what? Right. We all did a good job. Let's just well, admit we, it. We,
1: well, I haven't done my list. Yet. Yeah.
0: We got to hear JC.
3: Jay- <laughs> you know <listen>. what? <laughs> JC in particular, your list was fantastic. It made a big impression <laughs> so on me. So great.
1: <laughs> Really clearly did. And you know, actually, my list, you may have only heard of maybe one of the shows, but oh that's fun. That's um, fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll be quick. So <laughs> right, and I good. will I will say that um, I've learned a lot about myself and that I really enjoy a very specific type of show. So okay. my number five is it ran for one season. It is a show called Limitless, which yeah. was based off of the movie Limitless. The movie Limitless. Yes. Yeah. So, he basically takes a pill called NZT and he's the smartest guy in the world. He's an FBI agent and then solves mysteries and blah, blah, blah. So, right. number four is a show called Haven. <laughs> Haven. Which, yes, Haven, Sci Fi Network. No. I love science fiction. I had to remove like three sci- shows from the Sci Fi Network on here.
3: What's it about?
1: It is about another FBI agent who gets sent to a town called Haven to yeah. solve the mysteries of a town. And these mysteries are called The Troubles, where they're all like supernatural mysteries. Got that it. Uh, yeah, and it's based off of a Stephen King short story called The Colorado Kid. Okay. Oh,
3: I've heard of Stephen King. Yes, you've
1: heard of Stephen. Okay, so number three <laughs> you've heard of, I feel like you may have heard of this show, is called The O.C.,
0: well,
3: yes. yes. Oh, yeah, sure. The
1: OC, Olivia sure. Wilde. Welcome
3: to the OC, bitch. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the big pilot punch. Yes. People yeah. hadn't heard "bitch" that much back then. Well, I know. No, it was. It was still a shocking word at that yeah, time. Yeah. Now. Yeah. For TV.
1: Um, number two is grim. Yeah. Grimm oh, that one on N.B.C. Of.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
1: Lo- I mean, for me, that was musty wow. TV. New episodes. I another fantasy police procedural Oof. crime drama. Like
3: I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a lifetime of larping with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, there isn't, but I, okay. I'm surprised
1: right. I haven't. <laughs> um, and also Reggie Lee, who's I don't know if he's been on Family Guy, but he's on American Dad a lot. He. Is he was on Grimm? Co- yeah, yeah, shout out to okay. Reggie Lee. And then number one is a show called Psych. Ooh. Oh, yeah. USA Network.
0: Sure. But that's bad?
1: I don't know. I mean, nobody knows <laughs> know sure. I don't know.
3: <laughs> no I one... don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I think I can see why you would say that, because I think that it's one of those shows that sort of, Catches a little flack for being what it is, but and yet has somehow been on for like eight seasons. Yeah, right?
1: Uh, yeah, and I've it was I think five or six seasons. I watched, I've seen the show through and through, eight times maybe. I like I what find, I know.
3: Is it Alan? That's Tudor? a whole a
2: lot of
1: psych. No, no. no R- it's R- James Roday and Dule Hill,
2: uh, and Roday. they're like yeah, Dulé Roday. all day. <laughs>
0: Roday all and,
1: day and they're I think they're so funny. And of course, Rodé
0: Olay Drive. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, nice.
1: Yeah. More mysteries to solve. He pretends he's a psychic. Right. Just like there's a theme. So. All right. Um, yeah. And well, no that that
0: feels like a curated list.
3: I, I know. It's this well was curated. such a difficult,
1: saying, yeah. um, very difficult topic for me i you said don't think about it too much more than any other list we've had this was the hardest one for me
3: okay all right well next week we'll make a a less challenging list for all of us okay yeah five favorite pizza toppings no we're not doing that (laughs) because i only like two i think Uh, i like none
1: oh
2: all right i've had to take a piss
3: for an hour so thanks again (laughs) for joining us (laughs) on our third episode of a typical disgusting display with goldie in the sulk hopefully we will see you next week
0: Oh!